Last week, if you were here, we said that God is more like a table saw than like a cotton ball. Hope you remember that. And the main point of that is that uh, a cotton ball can't hurt you. It doesn't really matter if you're in the wrong relationship with a cotton ball, but it really does matter if you're in a wrong relationship with a table saw, because a table saw can hurt you very, very quickly. I think another illustration of that same point would be, let's say you're, you're teaching um, your child about firearms, and there's a sense that you want them to have a very healthy fear of firearms. Not that they're afraid of it and, and can't uh, look at the things, but that they realize that this is something that can very quickly do a lot of damage if we're not careful around it. And hopefully those type of things help us to realize when we talk about the fear of the Lord, why that makes sense and why that really is appropriate. That God is someone that has great consequences in our life. And so the fear of the Lord is an important thing. That's what the series has been on. This is the third in uh, this message on fearing God and how the fear of the Lord is good and it's what we need. It's essential. It's necessary. And in fact, it's a repeated theme in Scripture. We said that it speaks of the fear of the Lord about 150 times, but it's something that is not very talked about very often, but it is such a huge thing. One of the things that we also said is that there are different types of fear, of fearing God. That for those that are unsaved, those that are not in a right relationship with God, they fear God in a bad way, in the same way that a criminal that knows he's guilty, fears a policeman. But when we trust in Christ alone as our Savior, we have a new relationship. That we are forgiven our sins, we are adopted by him, and now it's, it's not a criminal fearing a police officer, but it's a healthy fear of a son or a daughter whose father is the policeman. That type of fear changes, but it's still... A healthy, it's still a fear of the Lord. The message that we're going to have today is titled, When People Are Big and God is Small. Because we're going to talk about two different other types of fear. That there's the fear of God, but there's also the fear of man. And how these are two huge themes in Scripture, and how important they are, and how much this explains our daily lives, and what captures our heart, and the decisions that we make. So one verse we'll look at first of all that very clearly talks about this is uh, from the book of Matthew 10.28. And this is from the lips of Jesus. He says this. He says it to his, uh, to his disciples. And he says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So realize what Jesus is saying here. And he is saying this to his, to his disciples. He's not saying this to sinners. He's, he's saying this at this point to his disciples. But he's, it applies to everyone in the sense that we should fear God and we should fear people less. He says, do not fear those who can kill the body. They can do things to us. They can kill our our body, but they cannot kill the soul. The one that really deserves our fear 
is the one that can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So here's the main point of the message, is that there is a battle going on in each of our hearts between the fear of God and the fear of man. There is a a war going on between these two things as far as which we are going to fear more. And whichever we fear more is what has captured our heart. And if we look at our decisions, we look at our thoughts, day-by-day experiences, we can get a read on which we really do have more concern about. So for the purposes of this, thinking about this, when we talk about fear, let's think of fear today in this way as heavy concern. And I'll explain why. Fear as heavy concern. Now, I'd be tempted to say, thinking of the fear of God, say healthy concern. But the thing is, for God, it is healthy concern in the same way that it's, it's healthy to have a proper fear of the table saw, but people can have fear of the wrong things. You can be someone that is afraid of cotton balls or afraid of the, the wrong things. But either way, the fear is a heavy concern in your life. And it may be the type of fear that actually has you shaking and, and trembling, but it may not be. It may be something else, but it, it is heavy concern in your heart about what the other person thinks, about the relationship with the other person, about the impact that it's going to make. And therefore, it can be either a heavy concern about God or a heavy concern about people. And that's the difference between the fear of God and the fear of man. So we'll say that, that fear of man is heavy concern about other people, whereas fear of God is heavy concern about God. And then the truth is that whichever one of these controls us most, whichever is the weightiest, that your heart will be controlled and your choices will be determined by whichever one of these is heavier to you. Let me read a few more verses that talk about this. We already mentioned Matthew 10, 28, and you see in there fear of man versus fear of God. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Our hearts will be controlled by whatever is heavier to us. Remember being a kid and playing at the the teeter-totter in the playground? Now, some of the younger people realize, do you realize it's hard to come across a teeter-totter these days? They they don't have them anymore. You look around, you can't find them. Probably because of what we all did as kids. Okay? And talk about the fear of people. I think we put the fear of each other in, you know, some distrust. Because, yeah, what you would do is you would get the other person away in the air, and, of course, you'd jump off real quick and make them slam on the ground, and people walk away with uh, uh, bruised tailbones and trust issues with their friends. But imagine that in each of us, there's, like a, there's a teeter-totter in our heart. And our heart is going to be determined in our choice by which of these is heavier. And I think the reality is, for almost everyone, the fear of man is huge in our life. We spend so much time being concerned about the opinions of other people. 
And when I say here man, I mean people in general. Okay, women can be scary too. Okay? (laughs) I won't say anything else about that. (laughs) Because I'm afraid. Okay? (laughs) We have so much concern about people. What they think about us, what they can do to us. And sometimes there may be truth behind that. Because people do awful things to other people. There are people that may want to destroy your life. There are people that will kill Christians. And there's all kinds of other fears that maybe aren't quite as justified, but they concern us because maybe people can affect something that we deeply care about. They can take away something that we value, something that makes our life uh, to us, uh, takes away something that's very precious to us. And so people are a huge concern. Now, on the other hand, we're supposed to fear God, but the sad fact, I think for even many Christians is that the fear of the Lord is a very small thing in our life. And for many people, it's, it's nothing. What Scripture says so often about unbelievers is there's no fear of God in their eyes. That there's, they, they don't care at all about God. They don't care at all about the consequences of one day having to stand before God and answer to Him about our choices, our life, our actions. That even though they know God deep in our heart, they, they push Him away so they can ignore Him and do what they want to do. So for some, it's not even there at all. But even for so many people that claim to be Christians, and I say Christians, so often God is such a small, inconsequential factor in our lives where people, whether it's people at school, people at the office, people on the job site, friends, family, people you don't even know that might be looking at your stuff on Facebook and you're worried about how many likes you're going to get or what they might think or a nasty comment, it becomes a huge thing. What do you spend most of your time thinking about each day? Which of these do you spend most of your time worrying about? Whose opinion really is heavy to you? Because it's not just about what you say is important. It's about which actually feels heavier to you in your heart. And just the same way that whichever is heaviest is going to determine which side the scale goes down, whichever is heaviest to you is going to control your heart And it's going to play out in your actions. Too often we're like the people described in John 12, 42 and 43. Listen to this. It says, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, in Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. People that believe, they're claimed to believe, but because of fear of man, fear of the Pharisees, they weren't willing to confess it before other people because they're afraid of the consequences. They didn't want to be put out of their uh, the synagogue, out of their society, their connections with uh, with friends and other people. And then, wow, verse forty three talks about what they really loved, what they cared about more. They cared about the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And I'm afraid that like them, far too often we care about the praise that comes from from other people far more than the praise that comes from God. Most of us, we spend so much time thinking about that, worrying about that, caring about that. What can we get from other people? 
what we're afraid of them taking away from us. And that controls our heart because people are big, but God is small. So what are we going to do about this? Because we realize this is, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be that we have this small view of God, that we fear him so little in the healthy way. And then we have this huge concern about people. So one of the big things that we need to do, each of us, working in our hearts, because actions, everything starts in the heart and flows out from there. Obviously, one of the things, there's, there's two things that can be changed. So one of those, which is very important, is that we need, it's important to understand the fear of man and learn to fear people less. And when we talk about this, we talk about the fear of man. Sometimes in other language, it gets talked about, but in different ways. Sometimes they talk about it as as peer pressure. Whether you're a, a kid at school or it would be foolish of us to think that this stops once you graduate. And there's plenty of peer pressure at the office, at the work site, all these different ways. And even if you think you don't care about one group, well, there, there's probably some that you really do care about. Sometimes we call it people-pleasing. Sometimes if you struggle with people-pleasing, the reason for that is because they are so big in your life. Because it's such an important thing. Their opinion matters so much to you that if you don't have them pleased or if they're upset at you, this is an awful thing. You would rather go live in a cave than than to have somebody not pleased with you or to withhold approval to you. And it causes us to do things we wouldn't do otherwise because we're we're trying to please people because we crave their approval because people are big to us. But God is small. Now, our hearts are deceitful. So sometimes we might be thinking, well, I don't really care much about people. I don't really care at all. I don't need even to have anything to do with other people. But you realize what might be happening in some of those times that we think, well, I don't need people. I can just push them aside. Is that really it's because we care so much about people and we care about their opinions that we'd rather just pretend that we don't care than to risk rejection. And sometimes we isolate ourselves. Sometimes we, uh, we push people away even and pretend that we don't care about their opinion, but it's because we don't want to take the risk of having them think negatively about us because people are big in our lives. So one of the things that we need to do that we each need to work on is, is decreasing the amount that we have of the the fear of people. So that instead of caring about them as much as we did, we realize it's too big of a factor in our lives. This is something that we've allowed to have out of control. It's allowed to control us. And whether we call it peer pressure or people-pleasing or codependency or the fear of man, we need this to shrink. So why do we fear people? I think if we think about that, that can be a helpful thing. And I took the title of this message from a book. I, I 
blatantly lifted it from a very good book called When People Are Big and God is Small by Ed, Edward Welch. And it is an excellent book. I would recommend it to anyone. Very, uh, very insightful, very theologically rich. And I know I could have called you know, this message, fear God, not man, or the fear of God versus the fear of man. But I just, I like this imagery about thinking about which is big in our life and which is small. And we know it should be that God is big and that people are small, but too often we realize it's the other way around. And in this book, Edward Welch gives three basic reasons why we fear people so much. And I think this is helpful to think about. Maybe as we think about it, it'll help us examine our hearts and what's going on. So why do we fear people so much? I'll, I'll give these to you quickly, and then I'll, we'll take a little time to explain some of them. He says, one is, we fear that people will see me. He says, we fear, in our mind, people will reject me. And we might think, people will hurt me. And there could be more than these, but these are three real basic ones. So we might not say it with these words, but think, is this something that is going on in our hearts? So the first one, people will see me. We fear being found out. We fear people seeing the, the real us. We, we're afraid because we feel shame about who we actually are. We feel shame because we realize that we have faults, that we have problems, that we don't measure up, that we have sin, that we have legitimate guilt. And so oftentimes, what do we do? We try to present a certain image to everyone else so that we're respected, so that people like us. But so often, we can have a a fear that we don't want people to get too close because they might find out who we really are. They might find out a glimpse of what our hearts are really like and the junk that is still in there. They might find out some of the things that, some of the skeletons we have in our closet that are things that, that we feel guilty about, that we, oftentimes we should feel guilty about. Think what happened right at the beginning. Adam and Eve. God creates them and he puts them in the garden. And what does it say at the end of chapter 2? It says they were naked and not ashamed. And that was before sin was in the world. That they could be both literally and figuratively exposed to God And they had nothing to be ashamed about. But think of how things changed when sin entered into the world. That suddenly they felt shame. And it was a a deserved shame. They realized that they were sinners. They realized that they were not right before God. And they felt shame and they went and they hid. That was their first reaction. And in the same way, we fear that people will see us for who we really are. They'll see past the masks, the facades that we put out there. It said that once there was a time when five men received a prank call saying, they know what you've done, leave town immediately. And by evening, four of them had left town. We have secrets that we don't want people to find out. We're fakes. We fear other people because they might find out that we are not who we pretend to be and we're too insecure to deal with that. Think of the things even we don't try to even do because we don't want people to see that we're not good at these things. People will reject me. 
We fear that people, we fear people because they can reject us, they can ridicule us, they can despise us. There are traumatic things that happen in, in childhood. It's not just the, the teeter-totter trauma that we've endured. Think of these things, the fear of being picked last, fear of the lunch table at school in junior high, not being able to be given a place to sit. Or even if you did sit with the cool kids, what if something changed that? You know, what if you broke their rules and got out of favor and that controls you? So we fear people because we fear rejection. The people may reject us for, for being Christians, for valuing certain things, for following God's way. And if you, if you doubt that, um, just, let me just say one word, evangelism. I think sometimes that just strikes terror into our hearts. We know we should be doing it. We know we should be used by God to help other people come to Christ. And it may take different shapes and forms, but I think sometimes there are people that they would rather actually literally die than risk um, living for him and having people see that. Sometimes we would, we would rather... If, if someone was going to say, reject Christ or I'm going to kill you, we would be more inclined to say, okay, I, I know what the right decision is there. But are we willing to make the right decision, do the right thing, if it risks keeping us from being liked, keeping us from being appreciated or respected? I mean, we fear just an awkward moment with people. I mean, most of the time, people aren't going to punch you out because you said something to them, at least not in America right now. But we're so concerned, our fear is so big that we, we fear an awkward moment with people. Especially people that we need to be around. You know, it's easier to go to Russia and do an evangelism than to do evangelism with people in our community, oftentimes. People you might have to see on Monday. Sometimes it can even be something as simple as talking to someone new at church. You see new people around and we fear, what if it's awkward? I don't know sometimes what we're fearing. I, I've yet to see someone talk to someone and that person get offended and just um, yell at them and start pushing them. and uh, It just doesn't happen. But we fear just these little awkward moments. And sometimes it's easier to just pretend we don't see new people. So I want to challenge you. Get, get over that. And I know today, you look around, see some new people, talk to them. And yet today, it's going to mean a little bit different because pastor told you to do it. <laughs> but let's make it a practice each day. And we fear people will physically hurt me. That can be one too. It's, um, sometimes it's you know, emotionally but sometimes it can be real, literal stuff. I mean, there are Christians, let's remind ourselves in this world, that are being beheaded for Christ. There's some that are physically beat and abused. People that their stuff is taken in one way or another. There can be times that hurt you in different ways. It may hurt your livelihood, a decision that you make. It might cost you the promotion. It might cost you your job. And especially if things keep going in the trajectory that it seems to be going. So we fear people. And we need to realize this. We also need to realize 
that the world wants us to fear other people. And they're doing everything they can to amplify this and to make us care about the opinions of other people. And you get that message in hundreds of different ways every single day. Okay, commercials use it to sell you things. If you want to be popular, you want to be liked, you want to have a certain image, buy this product so we can have your money. And they will use this fear to get you to buy their product. Politicians use it to push their policies and their different agendas. I mean, think of how many people these days are concerned because they're told, if you don't support certain policies, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. And we will judge you, we will shun you, we'll treat you like a, like, a, like a caveman, like an ignoramus. And that works on a lot of people. And there's ways that it pulls on all of our hearts. And we need to realize they're intentionally doing this, using the fear of man to get what they want. In school, at work, everywhere, play by our rules or we will reject you. It's often a blatant message. You better think that what I think is important really is important. I mean, we live in a world where people these days, you heard them talk about microaggressions. They talk about this at college campuses and they train uh, professors and teachers about avoiding microaggressions. That these are things like you're not supposed to say to a group, call them you guys, because that's uh, supposedly a microaggression because you're saying, well, you favor guys more than you favor girls, and you're ignoring them and treating them not like people. And if you say you guys, well, that's really what you meant, and it's this little sneaky attack. You may say, well, I didn't mean that at all, but you told, whoa, but these are the new rules, and we will label you if you use a microaggression. And some of them, they say, well, you can't even say guys and girls, because that's a microaggression, because what about the people that don't clearly identify as one or the other? You're leaving them out. These are serious. I'm not making these things up. I mean, in reality, there's such a long list that I don't know what you could even say. Because somebody, it's, it's going to be some kind of secret attack they're going to claim. But then if you don't say anything, then you're also doing some kind of a secret attack. But it's all about fear, and it's all about, about control. And I say, if, if you live in a world where you are concerned about microaggressions, then it's all over for you as far as the fear of man, whether you're a Christian or not. Okay, that's all you care about. And if you care about microaggressions, what are you going to do when, if you actually have to face something real, if you actually have to face martyrdom, the things the Bible actually warns us to prepare about? We also need to understand where our wrong desires have amplified the fear of man in our lives. We have a desire for a lot of things that are not right. And it's because of that that the fear of man swells up. We have wrong desires for, let's say, greed. We, we care about our things too much. We care about the income stream. And if something could mess with that, well, that might change our, our views and what we do. Because we care about, there's people that can control us in that way. They can turn that off. We care about our security. And we care about our pride. So the world reinforces this. It tells us that we have all these needs that we we don't really have. Think of the massive emphasis in our world on self-esteem. 
You need to feel good about yourself. You need people in order to feel good about yourself. Do you realize that there's a sense if you buy into that, it gives so much control and power to people? And they can control your life because if that's a need, like oxygen, they can turn it on and they can turn it off. And if somebody can control the air hose on you, they can control you. We need to take a deep look at our desires. Many of them actually need to be changed. And Jesus doesn't intend to meet all of our supposed needs. He intends to change our needs. So oftentimes the real question is not, how can I feel better about myself? The better question is, why am I so concerned about myself at all? Why do I need people to think that I'm so great? So that's one part of this. Thinking about the, the fear of man and trying to shrink that in our lives. I hope you realize that's not enough. I hope you realize that's not even the main thing. That's not even the most important thing because we're still obsessing with people. The main thing ultimately is not just shrinking our fear of people, but increasing our fear of God. More importantly, we need to understand and grow in the fear of the Lord. God must become bigger and weightier to us. We need to get rid of this little tiny view of God that is so inconsequential that he doesn't matter, that, that's, so, that's, that's just so cute and cotton ball-like that he's not going to control our hearts and start to see him more closer to who he is. And then we see that we really worship, the God who exists is a great God. The God that we worship is an amazing God huge God, that if we spend our whole life plumbing the depths of how great he is, in this life we will never even, even get close to even beginning to realize how awesome and holy and weighty God really is. But that's why we get together every Sunday. That's why we get in our Bibles. That's why we, we learn from that. That's why we worship God with our hearts, to amplify the weightiness of God. That's what worship is. Feeling the weightiness of God and having that play itself out in every aspect of our life. Because whatever is weightier controls our heart. And whatever controls our heart controls everything else in our lives. Yes, make people less. That's something. But the bigger thing is that God must become bigger in our lives. And we're going to keep talking about that. We have two more weeks in this series. We'll talk about this more next week, but... I want to finish with one other thing. We talked about these three things that are a cause for fear in our life, fear of people. I want us to realize that Jesus is the answer to each type of those fears. We fear that people will see us. But do you realize that God already knows you? That God sees you better. He knows you perfectly. He sees you better than you know yourself. You may fool other people. We can fool ourselves, but God knows the secret things in our hearts. There's no hiding from him. Psalm 139.1, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. 
Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. He already sees us. And even though He sees you in all your sin, all your imperfection, He still chose to die for you. God demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing full well what you're really like. And remember what He did for Adam and Eve? After they sinned, they were ashamed. He clothed them. And that's what God does for us. He not only sees us, loves us anyways, He also clothes us, taking away our shame. And we are clothed, not in skins of animals, but in what that represented, the righteousness of Christ that is given to you as a gift. So that's what God, the most important person in the world, sees when He looks at you if you have trusted Christ as your Savior. Therefore, we don't have to fear people seeing us. We fear people will reject us. But through Christ, we have been accepted. We've even been adopted as His sons. Galatians 3.26, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you have Jesus as your Savior, He has forever accepted you. You have been adopted as his, his son, his daughter. He will never, ever forsake you. No matter what, he will never reject you. Jesus takes away that fear too. And the last one, people will hurt me. For those that are saved, nothing can ultimately harm you. Nothing can come into your life apart from God's permission and purposes. Romans 8.28 God caused for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God works all things together for our good. We saw that in in Matthew 10.28 They can kill your body but they can't touch your soul. And in Luke 21 Jesus says this, it says, He warns, He says, and some of you they will put to death but then He says, but not a hair of your head will perish. Seems contradictory, but he's saying even if they put you to death, they can't really ultimately hurt you. Do you believe that? Nothing can come into your life apart from God's permission and purpose, and if you are saved, nothing can ultimately hurt you. Isaiah 8, 12-13 And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts... Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. May people become much small in your life, and God much, much bigger. Fear God, not man. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you through Jesus Christ who takes away our sin on the cross, who gives us His righteousness as a gift and clothes us in that. So we come before You not based on anything good in us, but because of what You have done in our behalf, Lord God. We thank You for the statements of Scripture and what You have done. And for those that are in Christ, knowing that You are the the antidote to all our fears. And we realize that the fear of man is such a huge thing in our lives. And God, we admit that if... If we try to claim that it's not, we're lying to you. 
but it's because it's something we all struggle with. Help us to deal with it. Help us to fear man much, much, much less. And even more importantly, let us learn to fear you more in a healthy way because you are a huge, big God full of majesty and power and holiness and love. And we thank you for the love you give us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.